0: We hope you enjoy this message and that it encourages and inspires you. For more information, head to lifepointwithanee.org.au. Morning, church. You know, we talked about last week grace and the need for us to come home and how in the kingdom you mature backwards, okay, because outside the kingdom, we leave home, we gain our independence. But the kingdom's the other way around. It says, come back home, lose your independence and press into me. Now, I want to take you on a journey for a man named Mephibosheth. Now, that's a great name for parents thinking about naming a boy, isn't it? I'll call him Mephibosheth. That wouldn't be open to anything at school or any kind of teasing at all, would it? Some of the, yeah, it it just goes to show in the Old Testament, they never had name books, did they? Mephibosheth. But it's it's quite an incredible story because when David came to the throne, Saul and Jonathan had been killed. And David was very close to Jonathan. Their hearts were joined together and he made a covenant with him and wanted to bless anybody that was left. Because when someone came to power in those days, Any threat to the throne was completely wiped out, completely destroyed. If you want to read more, go back in 2 Samuel a bit further to chapter four, and that's when Mephibosheth first appears, but this is 2 Samuel 9. One day David asked, is anyone in Saul's family still alive? Anyone to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? He summoned a man called Ziba, who had been one of Saul's servants. Are you Ziba? The king asked. Yes, sir, I am, Ziba said. The king then asked him, is anyone still alive from Saul's family? If so, I want to show God's kindness to them. Ziba replied, yes, one of Jonathan's sons is still alive. He's crippled in both feet. Where is he? The king asked. In Lodabar, Ziba told him, at the home of Makiah, son of Amiel. So David sent for him and brought him from Makiah's home. His name was Mephibosheth. He was Jonathan's son and Saul's grandson. When he came to David, he bowed low to the ground in deep respect. David said, greetings, Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth replied, I am your servant. Don't be afraid, David said. I intend to show you kindness because of my promise to your father, Jonathan. I will give you all the property that once belonged to your grandfather, Saul, and you will eat with me here at the king's table. Mephibosheth bowed respectfully and exclaimed, who is your servant that you should sow such kindness to a dead dog like me. Then the king summoned Saul's servant Zeba and said, I've given your master's grandson everything that belonged to Saul and his family. You and your sons and servants are to farm the land for him to produce food for your master's household. But Mephibosheth, your master's grandson, will eat here at my table. Zeba had 15 sons and 20 servants. Zeba replied, yes, my Lord, the king, I am your servant. I will do all that you have commanded. And from that time on, Mephibosheth ate regularly at the king's table like one of the king's own sons. What an amazing story that King David takes somebody and lifts them. Takes somebody and, and lifts them out of tragedy, lifts them out of circumstances, says, you will eat at my table. Now we got this amazing picture it looks like the grace of God to me, doesn't it, to you? See, the thing that we sometimes don't understand is when we come home, when we come to the table, we think the table's the destination. We think that, that what God's done, that, that's it. That's the finish. But, but you've got to realise the greater the work in you, the greater the work through you. God steps up, does something in you because David's grace to Mephibosheth is this picture of what God does to us. We were hiding, we were poor, we were weak, lame and fearful, but our King comes to us. How awesome is that? When every other religion says measure up, reach for me, our King comes down. He exercises kindness in our brokenness. We were separated from the King because of our pride. We didn't need Him, we were doing fine. I touched on it last week. Sometimes, in what we call the developed world, we've developed God right out of it, haven't we? We've replaced Him with so many other things. We get separated because of our deliberate actions. I don't know about you, but I am really good at doing the wrong thing. I'm exceptional at it. I think I've got it beat and then something comes and flogs me in the head again. And I think, oh, come on, I'm better than this. And sometimes it's my choice. I don't ever, ever want to admit that, ever. Sometimes we're separated Through ignorance, we don't actually understand what father is like, what God is like, how deep this runs. See, our king chased us like David chased Mephibosheth. Did you notice something? Yeah, one of his sons is still alive. He's crippled in both feet. David used his name not his condition. He said to him, Mephibosheth. He didn't say, hey, cripple. Everyone else seems to. Have you noticed that? Yeah, he's got a son, but he's a cripple. You know, sometimes we look at each other and we see dysfunction. Do you know when God looks at us, He sees our name? He calls that name because it's important. See, His kindness is extended to us, not just for us, but for the sake of those around us, for the sake of the Sunshine Coast, for the sake of the future of Australia. And sometimes we just hide. You remember Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden? They heard God, so they took off. They said, We're scared because we didn't think we could approach you. Do you notice something about it? God was walking towards them, they were the ones doing the running, they were the ones doing the hiding. Sometimes even our rejection of God is based in pride. Sometimes even feeling really shameful about who we are is based in our own pride to say, God couldn't possibly forgive me. He couldn't possibly work in me, could He? He couldn't possibly use me. But this is where God's heart is. He says, I take the broken, I lift them. He looks at your pride and says, I'm not interested in what you think you can do without me. So I'll get someone with some real problems and I'll use them instead. Just to show you I can use anyone. See, when we come to the King, He returns what's lost to us. When we hide. In fact, he returns even more. He starts to build into a broken life. You look at Mephibosheth, not only did he return, but he got to sit at a table he did not deserve to sit at. He got given a position that he shouldn't have even had. According to custom, he should have been dead. But instead, the king says, Come to my table, sit in my presence because sometimes I I think we think I've come to Christ now I'm just gonna sit in a back corner no you're at the table you are at the table itself we come humbly knowing that we didn't do anything for this but it's all about who God is you know sometimes when we come to him, we have fellowship with him. We're received as sons and daughters. But you know what, sometimes I looked at Mephibosheth and I thought, wouldn't it be really cool if he was completely healed when he got to the table? He wasn't. His legs still didn't work at the king's table. And I thought, God, why can't you fix all of our problems? And do you know what he reminded me? I did. I fixed a Christless eternity for you. And to me, that's all of your problems. And I thought, it'd still be kind of cool if he could walk though, wouldn't it? And God says, begin to focus better. Begin to understand better. Some of you guys would know Years ago, I, I'm, well, I still love motorbikes now. I only have three at the moment, so I'm doing okay. But I love, love, love my motorbikes. And I had a friend, Jeff, and I talked him into buying a motorbike because I love motorbikes. He has to love motorbikes. You know, and I, I dogged him and I dogged him and I dogged him and I said, you've got to get one, man. And then he, he called me, I hear this voice on the phone He goes, guess what, man? I said, what? i got a motorbike. And his mum was always saying, don't get a motorbike, too dangerous. And I said, what did your mum say? She doesn't know. I thought, probably not a great start. His mum found out she was less than impressed. But we worked out to go for a ride the first time. The first time we took these bikes out was an old PE 175. Rubbishy old bike, terrible brakes. And I remember we were riding and thinking, there's nothing better than this. I love this guy, you know, best friends, out riding. About 20 minutes later, I was holding him while he died in my arms. Looking into his eyes as his life slipped away. You know what went through my head at that moment? I knew the gospel and I did not tell him. I said I loved him, he was my best friend. And the only thing that mattered at that moment was the thing that I did not open my mouth to say. You know how some of your memories, they don't fade? Well, that's one for me. And I remember at that point thinking, Our faith is for others. Our faith is just as much for them as it is for me. And realize, you look at Mephibosheth sitting at the king's table when he didn't deserve it. Do you know what? Today your dysfunction does not dictate your destiny. Okay, your brokenness is not something you lay back in comfortably. It's a springboard that you minister from. It's a place where you speak into the lives around you. Because you know, you look at Mephibosheth, he's crippled in both. What was his own opinion? I am a dead dog. God sees past the dead dog to a son. God sees every insult crippled in both feet and calls him a son and says, sit at my table. Sorry, I'm getting fired up. But the gospel is so important. We we can tack it on the end of things, but it needs to be front and center, especially in times of division, especially in times where things are really tough when our world is turned upside down because it doesn't change. See, we look at David's grace to Mephibosheth. It should become a pattern for how we serve each other. Seek out our enemies and bless them even when they don't deserve it. Do you know in 2000 years, nobody has improved on the moral teaching of the Lord Jesus Christ. No one, our laws are built on it. And He's the one that changes us. We're to look for the broken and bless them. And it's funny, isn't it? When we look for the broken, we think, I'll go to ones that are sleeping rough I'll go to ones that have got this problem, that problem. Do you know there are broken doctors, there are broken lawyers, there are broken homeless people. Everyone around you in your sphere of influence, there is brokenness. There is brokenness in every single avenue because often we can say, I'm not, I don't wanna go to that, I'm uncomfortable going to that. But God says there is brokenness where you are. There is brokenness you can minister into. And you know what? We bless even if they don't deserve it, especially because they don't. It's much, much easier to do nothing, but that's not the kindness of God, is it? Scripture says, it's your kindness that leads us to repentance. Your kindness that leads us to you. See, our community is actually crying out for one they don't even know. They're crippled by fear and hopelessness. They're in need of a home healing to be known by name. Sometimes we get too busy praying for me, too busy focused on me. What's God gonna do in me? rather than those around us. Do you know a lot of the time the disciples saw a move of God as they were preaching, didn't they? They saw a move of God as they were sharing. I reckon the heart's cry of our society is where are the Christians that have wrestled with God in prayer? Where are the ones that know their God? Where are the ones that are so filled That life is transformed. Do you know when we pray for the fire of God? I'm right here at the front. I'm saying, God, bring it, bring it, bring it. But it's not for toasting marshmallows on, is it? The fire of God is something that spreads. It starts in our bones, in our very heart. And then we open our mouths to speak. This is for transformation. Often we'll say, Holy Spirit come. Oh, my hope is that that is our prayer. That Holy Spirit would truly come and transform us. That when the enemy roars at us, we roar back louder. That we start to see decisions change in our country because of the prayers and the power of God. Yeah? Sometimes we we almost think that Holy Spirit is God's sales rep. He isn't. We need to understand He is the power of God. Timothy 1.7 says, For the Spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. So we got the power of God in us that's brought us to the table. It's from the table we minister. See, Paul wrote these words, because boldness matters. To step up matters. And I've got to confess to you, I don't know how many times I've talked myself out of sharing the gospel. I've done it with my friends. I've done it down the street. I did it before I held my friend while he died. And every single excuse rang hollow at that point. And we seem to lose the focus that this is about life and death. If we are indeed in end times, then we as the people of God have got to start to step up. Got to start to speak the gospel, with a conviction that's in our hearts. We need to help a needy world. See, fear and timidity, it keeps us from the gifts that God gives. Do you know I, do you know what I really hate? These, these masks, oh my gosh, I hate them so much. Because I stand there and I worship and I'm breathing my own spit. That's gross. But is it gonna keep me from being with God's people in God's house? No, it's not. Because I'm here to encourage you and you're here to encourage me. We're here to inspire each other to step up in the power and the will of God. See, we need to swap out our comfort zone for God's comfort zone. And what does God's comfort zone look like? It looks like a place of kindness, a place of sharing, a place where people know my name, not my brokenness. Where I'm inspired, where I'm filled, and where I walk down the street saying, God, bring me a broken one. I need to engage quick. you know a while ago, I thought, I'm gonna find myself the grumpiest person in the shops I possibly can. And I'm gonna say, can I pray for you? Do you know what? It actually works. I didn't expect it to, but it does. Grumpy people don't mind prayer. And if they do, I'll just go on and find another grumpy one. Found sick people to pray for, can I pray for you? And people say, Yes? The power of God and God's comfort zone is way beyond what we're used to. But it takes boldness to engage. Boldness to say, I came to the table with my dysfunction and you called me by name. You've released me to minister not by dysfunction, but by name. See, Your position is His, your power is His, your promise is His, and your home is Him. And then all He says from here is, go tell someone else. Start to pray for the broken. Open your eyes to see those around you and realize instead of toasting marshmallows, let's just set people on fire with the power of God. Let them seek kindness that defies hatred, that defies bitterness. Let us bless people with a blessing they do not deserve because we were. It was the power of God that changed us, that transformed our stories. And you know what no one else can change? the way that God changed you. That's your story. That's where you engage. That's where you speak with boldness into those around you. And you know what? That will change this country, won't it? That's the heart of revival. Let me pray for you, church. Father, I thank You so much that in our brokenness You called us. You pursued us, God. You drawn us to Your table and blessed us when we didn't deserve it. You filled us with power and with freedom to minister in Your Name. Father, this morning we acknowledge that we're not given a spirit of timidity, given one of boldness. Father, help us to engage that Help us to engage your comfort zone and not our own. Lord, our hearts cry is that you would bring change. Change in us, change through us, Lord God. That we would begin to see the world the way you see it. That we would begin to engage the world the way that you do. Father, I pray for every man, woman and child in this building that you would flood them afresh with the Holy Spirit that they would hear the beauty of Your voice calling their name. Father, You would use us to transform the Sunshine Coast and beyond. We pray this in Jesus' awesome name. Amen.